and gentlemen, welcome to a special on location edition of Grand Turismo's. I am Tristan of Road Beef Bayless. I am uh, joined with two very special guests, Nick McMillan, also known as Gumball CGT, as well as Armin, and I'm also known as TRC Stagger. Welcome, gentlemen, and thank you for joining me. This is uh, just a general debrief of the Austria World Tour at Red Bull Hangar Seven, uh, September uh, 2019. Quite an event. Wasn't yes. It? Did you uh, did you gentlemen enjoy yourselves? Absolutely. I thought um, being here for the first time in Salzburg was pretty neat. Beautiful city, lots of history here, um, and the Red Bull Hangar was pretty impressive. That was a, a really cool venue, I think, um, for all of us. Uh, Farman, what did you think? Well, it's really my first time doing anything with Grand Tourism outside of New York, so I think it was awesome. <laughs> no, it really was. It was a gorgeous city. I think. Uh, and they also, one thing that they did that they don't usually do is they give us an extra day to just go roam around the city. Yeah. So we had some off time to go have some fun. Yeah, that was today. That was awesome. We yeah. got to go up view a castle, got some ridiculous pictures in. Um, we got to see, I think it was the Eagle's Nest from a distance, mm -hmm. which was, uh, you know, a Third Reich hangout. Uh, that was quite something. We got um, to see Mozart's birthplace. Mm hmm. Uh, we had some wiener schnitzel. Yes, had to get the schnitzel. That was my number one goal. <laughs> I was here. Uh, we, we rounded off our day with a, a beautiful dinner with uh, Kaz, the whole PD team, all the competitors. Um, the beer was flowing. The food was delicious. Um, it was uh, representative of uh, you know how the whole weekend went uh, in general. Yeah. So uh, getting to the competition, we had uh, manufacturers first on Friday. We had uh, Nations on Saturday. Uh, I was particularly struck with the, um, in comparison to New York City, although that was a well-produced event, uh, the sportsmanship was perhaps a little lacking uh, for a few notable incidents, but uh, here in Salzburg, um, it was very clean. I was particularly surprised at the start of the second manufacturer's race at Spa. La Source is always an incident, you know, Grosjean running into Hamilton, Alonso, like incidents left, right, and center. I don't think anyone hit anyone or went off track. That was uh, something that could only have happened through the restraint of all competitors, and that is a result, I think, of a, a kind of a newfound respect. Uh, would you agree? I would absolutely agree. Um, I was surprised at how clean everyone was. You know, there were a few incidents, a couple of mistakes, but there's not really any incident that stands out as something that was over the top or blatant. Um, yeah, it seemed much cleaner. Um, but Cosnori also kind of made a point in our driver briefing um, that we kind of need to we need to pay a little bit more attention and maybe not do some things that have been done in the past. Um, some notable <laughs> incidents. Um, but yeah, I think everyone was on their best behavior here, um, which made it a little bit more mellow. Um, the good racing was really good. Um, but yeah, everything was toned down a little bit, which I don't know if I liked more or less. I, mm -hmm. I haven't decided yet. Mm -hmm. Debatable if the excitement level was, was much less, or if perhaps the excitement level was the same, but the stories were just different. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Armin? I do agree. Um, being part of the race, I think it was, <clears throat> it, was, uh, it was still as exciting being a competitor, but I wonder as a viewer, if you're going to be as as uh, invested into one of the competitors if you're not seeing them do big moves and risk it all. Uh, but overall, I think the stewards were a lot more active. We saw a lot more investigations being done and uh, some of the uh, the moves or contacts during the race. So I think that kept everybody a little bit more calm, but everything was uh, displayed on the screen as soon as there was any contact. I think everybody was aware of it. 
and uh, so people pulled back maybe 10 to 20 percent during the race so uh, it was good as a com- competitor but again as viewership I don't know if that's going to gain us or lose us some viewers mm-hmm. there were some penalties levied during the weekends mm-hmm. and uh, it, it seemed as though the penalties uh, met the crime um, would you say that was true 100% I agree with that and I was very happy with that actually uh, I think the penalties that were given out were extremely fair and uh, there was some question when there was questionable moves uh, if uh, if a car lost uh, a couple positions uh, that was uh, part of the uh, questionable move mm-hmm. I think uh, he was not awarded a penalty because well he got what he deserved mm-hmm. in return so I think yeah I thought it was really fair um, which is good to see I know uh, Wolfgang Reeb um, is very much you know into making sure that it's fair mm-hmm. you know I like having been teammates and learned kind of how he is he wants things to be right he wants things to be fair um, and he wants to kind of I think be efficient about things as well and he's been very good at listening to all of us and kind of what we want and what we expect um, you know and again from his real racing background you know he is treating these FIA competitions as if he were competing in an FIA competition you know if, if as if he was in Blanc Pond or something and an incident happened you know there were multiple questions that came up and you know he was clear to say that don't treat this like a game just because you can get away with it in the game doesn't mean that I'm not going to penalize you for it um, because that's what would happen in real life so um, I respect him for that and I think that's what we needed um, and I thought it was a huge improvement um, kind of over what we've been seeing and the response time to incidents was almost immediate which was fantastic so um, you know I, I know Mikhail's incident with Igor there were multiple things said done you know and things took time with that and I think that kind of ruined part of the the race or the motivation between some of the drivers at the last round so I think it, it was good this time around I think it was a, a good improvement mm-hmm. cool thank you Another topic of uh, intense discussion, at least in the YouTube chat, has been with regards to the format of the Manufacturer Series. We've gone from uh, a three race with a grand final, where uh, each uh, teammate has their own race by themselves, and then uh, a final race where the three of them have driver changes, to two races of equal length thereabouts with uh, uh, two sets of driver changes. Um, and it resulted in uh, what might be considered by some as an unfair allocation of time spent on track by a couple of competitors for the sake of uh, sacrificing for a superior strategy. Since these races required, at least the second race, um, a a use of the soft, the medium, and the hard tires, uh, it turned out uh, rather quickly that the optimum strategy was to have a minimum amount of time spent on the hard tires. And as many people have pointed out, Several competitors flew thousands of miles and many hours to do one or two laps on track. That does not, does not diminish their contribution to the success uh, of their team, certainly not, but um, in another way can be viewed as unfair. And I am wondering what your thoughts are on this, Armin. Uh, I think we all, uh, we do what's what, at least my team, we did what's best for our team mm. so if we have to go out there do one lap I think that's fair mm-hmm. whether you've you know flown out so many thousand so many hours to get here I think it, you, we all want the success of the team right uh, at the end of the day though uh, really I think there should be rules against that where you can just go do an out and in um, 
what we what we're trying to accomplish with this, I think, is a bit of realism to kind of simulate what real life would be uh, with driver swaps and different compounds. And I don't think it's really realistic to just go out there and do one lap and come in. But if there's any loopholes that we, we try to take advantage of. Uh, so it was a real disadvantage to be on a hard tire. So the shortest stint was on the hard tire. Uh, I think the best way to, uh, to control this is maybe to decrease the gap between the tires in terms of speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Or maybe set some standards in terms of how many laps you can do per tire before you come in. Like a minimum number of laps. A minimum number, yeah, at least, at least uh, for the hards. Uh, or a minimum drive time. Yeah. You know, that's something that's set in, you know, some of the racing I've done where Bunk Punk, for example, we're going to say a, a three hour race, three drivers, you know, obviously it's more condensed version, but each driver has to participate at least 45 minutes in a stint. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's completely fair to say that a driver has to do so much of a percentage of a race. Um, you know, if you're talking about um, a 10 lap race, we'll call it, you know, um, say it's a Nürburgring, you know, if you have one driver do one lap they've done 10 percent, and then everybody else you know gets three four times as many you know laps in essentially so i think that's hard um for for some i mean obviously like armin said we want to do what's best for our team because we want to win you know and sometimes that can be an advantage if you have a, a stronger driver and a weaker driver and someone in the middle where you can you know you can leverage those strengths and weaknesses to help your team win uh, but at the same time you know, I'm, I'm sure none of us, you know, want to go out and do one lap at Spa and, you know, call it a day. So, um, yeah, I think a, a minimum drive time would be beneficial. And I absolutely agree with Armin that kind of bridging the gap between, you know, how fast a hard tire is versus soft. I mean, we were talking three, four, five seconds a lap, depending on the car, which is yeah. very, very significant. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it would be really helpful to, you know, bring those closer together. Mm-hmm. Um, where maybe there's only a two second discrepancy between hard, medium, soft, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to this five, six seconds that we're seeing depending on the track. So, totally. yeah, I think that would be really beneficial driver time and, you know, fixing kind of the tire situation too. So, building upon the suggestions that I think all three of us agree upon with regards to minimum driver time, um, it would seem if that uh, that were to be implemented, um, we may then want to suggest uh, a longer race in general. Because uh, then if you have a minimum driver time of, say, like four laps per tire, and it's only a 17-lap race, then there's uh, that just simply reduces the amount of time that a faster tire can't even give an advantage. Um, would you think that a longer race um, uh, would be a, a good idea for uh, future world tours, or, or is, are we at the, at the right length for the broadcast and keeping people's attention? Actually, that's a great point that I kind of wanted to to make or bring up. Um, You know, I think people love seeing the sprint races because there's a little bit of havoc that goes on. Um, You know, people are really fighting for position because they want to try and get to the front as quickly as possible and run away with it. Um, Whereas sometimes, you know, if you're you're watching this, you want to see that. You know, that's the excitement. You want to see crashes. You want to see bumping. You want to see these mistakes, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, obviously as part of the entertainment. Um, you don't want to see someone run away with it. So I think the shorter races, you know, kind of group the fields together, which is great for the viewer standpoint. Um, as a driver, I do enjoy the longer races, though, I have to say. Um, but, you know, it's hard. Typically, the longer the race, the bigger the gap someone can build. You know, and then if everyone spreads out, you you don't have racing. So I think it's, uh, it's, it's hard to call. Um, I think format-wise, I actually really enjoyed the 
the three single races and the one big team race. You know, I think that really allows each driver to prove themselves mm -hmm. on track. It allows each driver to at least get, you know, X amount of drive time, um, you know, for each, each person. Um, and then the team race, you know, you work together to do that. So whereas this one, you know, some people I know I saw, they kind of got the short end of the stick, you know, they didn't get much drive time because maybe they're not as quick or the tire strategy, etc. So I don't know. It's a, it's a tough call. Mm -hmm. I like both formats, but I have to say the this three sprint format, one endurance is, is kind of my pick. I don't know about, you know, either of you two, if you agree. Yeah. Uh I agree with you 100%. <clears throat> uh, I think the shorter the race is, the more excitement you get out of it. If it's a long race and you're seeing somebody on soft tires just running away with it, whereas the second place guy is on hard tires and just creating a large gap, there's a large wait period until the end of the race where you can see everybody according them back up and you get a big climax at the end. So again, at the end of the day, we have to consider viewers. Though it's more fun for us because we're cons we're strategizing the whole time, we're saving tires, we're saving fuel, and but if I'm watching one of these races, I feel like it would be extremely boring if I'm spending, you know, twenty thirty minutes to see what the climax of this would be. Yeah. So uh, that's how, you, you know, that's not how you gain viewers. Uh, as a competitor, I, I I do want longer races, but as a viewer and you know a fan of the the series, I think. Uh, uh, Think we're at the sweet spot we're about 35 to 40 minute races and uh i think we're pretty much there um in terms of what the format is with two two longer races with driver swaps instead of the the three three uh, individual races in a final race i think we're uh, i think it's hard to say which one i prefer uh, i think this the second format where we ran at uh salzburg uh is is good because it makes you feel a more part of a team, right? Team Ford or Team Aston or Team Porsche. Mm -hmm. Whereas the other one, you're still an individual until their last race. Mm -hmm. So uh, the strategizing becomes a large, a larger part of the game versus, you know, you're still an individual until the last final moment. The other More race. emphasis on the collaboration. Exactly. Now I have something, kind of a question for both of you mm -hmm. um, in terms of qualifying. The current qualifying format is you get 20 minutes, one driver, that essentially sets the field. Then you get the top six. If your driver has, you know, set a top six time, they then go into the six lap or the, uh, you know, top six shootout. Mm -hmm. But it's one person qualifying. What would your guys' thoughts be on switching things up, making it more of a team qualifying and letting each individual do a qualifying lap you know, say they get three laps at the fastest lap, combining and averaging those laps across the team so that it's an overall team qualifying so that the team is more involved and you get an overall pace of the team to qualify. I think that's a good idea. However, I think we should temper our conclusions based upon uh, whether or not this sort of format has ever been used successfully in real life. Are you familiar with, with any of those kind of situations? I can't name it off the top of my head, but I know it has been done. Okay. Um, it's something that I think is quite fair, um, and it's actually kind of neat to see everyone play a part in that and see, you know, kind of the strength of the team, especially, you know, we are doing a team championship, mm -hmm. um, and we're working together as a team, and I think showing the strength of each team as a team for qualifying um, is quite fair. You know, it also, I think, kind of 
gets us away from maybe a car that has a better BOP at a certain track or a driver that's significantly quicker. Um, it kind of brings everyone together as an overall pace and overall team um, to kind of set the grid for the race. Mm-hmm. But do you think that would conclude the overall, you know, the standings? Because you really want your faster guy to go in there and put, put down your fastest qualifying lap, mm-hmm. right? And... Uh, Again, using strategy, you can maybe take advantage of having a slower guy and a faster guy running at a different part of the race with different tires. Do you think having an, an average qualifying lap, would that starting point start, basically uh, you know, put, in, put you in a position where you're not passing or being passed by other cars on track? It would, I think it would just kind of jump to the finish of the race. Uh, I don't believe that because you're not stuck with what driver you choose to start the race. So you might have a driver who is starting first who could be the slower driver. Maybe they're a second or two off the pace and the driver in 12th might be the fastest driver out of everybody. So I think it might almost mix the field as well Um, instead of, you know, maybe just one car or one team that might be, you know, incredibly quick. Um, And it might actually mix the field up a little bit and you might have to strategize you know, due to what other drivers are getting in the car and if you can get around them or if it's worth staying in the back and putting in your, putting in your faster driver in the end. I think it might mix the field up a little bit. It might just add a little bit extra. I think it's an interesting idea. And uh, if anyone's listening, it would be, it'd be cool to have a, a statistical model put together so that uh, we could uh, run sort of theoretical calculations um, and, and get, like as you suggest, what if the, what if the fastest driver of everybody um, has a couple of maybe off the pace teammates in the starting low down in the field, but then produces a very exciting first stint um, because we of course want to have a good show put on. Uh, we don't want to diminish diminish from the the entire show. Um, it's a, it's a good hypothetical and certainly worth exploring. Um, yeah, that's a that's a very interesting topic. Um, so, manufacturer, uh, we had a, a wet race and we had a dry race. And so the wet race uh, was uh, a point of contention in terms of BOP, uh, balance of performance between all the vehicles, because the front engine and rear wheel drive cars, with the one notable exception of Mercedes, uh, all had uh, quite a difficult time putting down the power, uh, whereas the mid engine uh, vehicles had uh, quite an advantage, particularly out of slow corner acceleration. Now, um, no changes were made after some protests were brought upon uh, the race organizers race organizers during the driver briefing. Uh, basically, it was just, uh, this is the way it is. It's a wet race. Um, you know, this is not something that we could have, uh, we didn't want to necessarily uh, manipulate. I'm paraphrasing here. Um, and in the, re- in the end result, we had, uh, we had Audi and we had Porsche fighting for the lead at the end, but Mercedes were right behind. Um, in your your gentleman's opinions, do you think that it was fair for the BOP to be as it was for the wet race, or should it have been uh, looked at a second time prior to this event? Uh, Armin? Um, I think it was fair. There's nothing unfair about it. I think it's a matter of uh, you're given a certain situation. Just like in real life, there's some cars that are going to be quicker in some, some races, and some cars are not. I think uh, the question of BOP should not change based on a wet race. I think it's a question of physics. Uh, and that should be taken into consideration. Uh, my honest opinion is that PD rushed a wet race in promotion of the new uh, content that they're releasing. Uh, they rushed it and they didn't take into consideration that part of this will be uh, you know, the real competitive 
aspect of cars, right? Some of the cars are not just not going to be as fast as other cars based on the physics, not so much the BOP. Mm-hmm. So that's that should be something I would take we should be taken into review, but I'm I'm still okay with the BOP. I'm not really. Um, for clarification, uh, would you say that you're talking more about like a, a this discrepancy of car performance is uh, highlighting more so an issue with tire and physics models that that should be uh, the the review of which should be uh, of greater emphasis going forward. One hundred percent. Okay, yeah. Nick, your opinion. Um, I, I'm speaking from someone who was part of the bottom six or the best of the rest, <laughs> as I'm going to call it. Um, thankfully, I, we were best of the rest um, in our race and finished sixth. Um, you, you know, for us, in the, yeah, for us in the Aston Martin, um, you know, it was incredibly difficult. I think we have, you know, three great drivers, um, which I think we, we proved in our race. Um, you know, our, our qualifying pace was, you know, not quite top six material. Um, you know, we did everything in our power to, you know, get up there and we still missed it by, you know, three, four tenths. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, even our optimums weren't as quick as other people. Um, and a lot of people struggled, you know. Um, BMW, for example, had Coque Lopez and Nico Rubilar. Those guys don't finish 10th, 11th, 12th place. It just, it doesn't happen, you know. And, and that's not to, to say anything about other drivers' capabilities. But we're talking about guys who have won and or finished on the podium um, in world tours and been in contention to world or to win nations cups and, and everything. So, you know, when the the top guys are struggling to finish in the top ten, um, you know, I I think there's a bit of a gap there. Um, you know, BOP is is never going to be perfect. Um, it's never going to be perfect track to track overall in the wet in the dry in the, the snow I don't care what it is mm-hmm. um, but you know I think if we're going to run strictly wet or strictly dry I almost think having some sort of separate BOP per track condition at least within the game uh, this can't happen in real life um, I think there almost needs to be BOP that evens that out mm-hmm. you know we in the Aston were consistently a second to a second and a half off the pace mm-hmm. um, I mean we had a, a nine lap race I think yeah and Team Aston, for us, we ran consistently 46 fives, practically the entire race between all of our drivers, and we still finished 18 seconds behind. Mm-hmm. You know, So it, we're not even in contention, and I think that affects the points, it affects the starting grid you know, for the next race. Mm-hmm. And you know, if your car is good in the wet and then it's also good in the dry, you, know, you, you kind of have a huge advantage overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that's where I kind of struggle with the, the BOP side of things um, and conditions with the web, at least. Just a small correction. I think yeah. it was a 17-lap race. Oh, 17-lap race. Sorry, I don't know no, what I was no saying. No worries, no worries. Yeah. Ar- Armin, you were going to say. So uh, in terms of BOP, what, what do you think that they could have done to change and give your car an advantage BOP-wise? Balance of BOP-wise? Weight and horsepower. If we are considering both races with BOP? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, just, just, the same just the wet. Just the wet. Yeah. Because there's such a discrepancy between the, yeah. the front engine and the mid-engine cars. I think for this particular situation, especially a world tour, um, where everything, there's so much that counts. Literally, well, actually, you know, the first race counts for 25, 30% of your score, you know, we'll call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the final race counts for, you know, the rest. And I think the problem is if you have a bad race in the first one, you're very far behind to produce good results for the second race. Um, And it means so much more. You know, before we had four races, you know, to build points, 
and get a good results. And, you know, I think that having four races allows all the different cars to kind of have the chances to win a race, lose a race, you know, finish in the middle, wherever it might be. And so I think it evens the playing fields, you know, whereas now you have basically two options or, you know, two opportunities to get something done. If you have real one really bad one, you're really behind, uh, mm-hmm. behind eight ball, you know, coming into that second race. So I think BOP wise, they should do at least for the world tours, a wet BOP and a dry BOP, especially if we're going to bring these conditions into it, or at least a track specific. If you know, have someone test these combinations, see what the discrepancy is, you know, maybe reach out to some top players, have them test cars, report lap times back, etc. Um, and, and really try and even out the field because at the end of the day, I know Tristan, I know Armin is going to want to, you know, we all want to race each other. We have a great time racing each other. The fans and the viewers love watching it. Um, I think reduces a good show overall. And if we're having such a discrepancy, I think it kind of takes away from that. Um, and I think just going into it, a lot of us tested, and I think a lot of people were discouraged just going into this event already, knowing that they were so far behind that they almost didn't want to try. So mm-hmm. I think it was kind of discouraging, um, you know, and I, I hope to see some some positive changes um, with that. Uh, but we'll kind of have to see what happens. Um, I know there was a lot of discussion um, from, you know, PD, from viewers, from competitors uh, about some you know, solutions, issues, etc. So, we have a new partner with Michelin, and if we think back to Gran Turismo 6, Yokohama was a partner brought on at that time to help improve force feedback uh, and the tire model, and as a result, we started to feel like tire chatter when um, we would demand too much of the front tires, uh, it would go beyond its uh, um, really optimum slip angle, and we could, we could feel it as a player and, and sort of get a better idea of where is the grip. Um, now with Michelin, Michelin are a company that are honestly at the top of the heap when it comes to tire technology, tire knowledge, um, the, the way, knowing the way that a tire reacts to all conditions. And uh, I feel that the BOP suggestions that you guys have where it's like track specific is, is an excellent suggestion. Um, I, I wonder if Michelin might be able to um, sidestep that solution by uh, improving the uh, tire and physics models of the cars so as to deliver kind of a a more even uh, balance of performance because we know that front engine cars and mid-engine cars are going to have different attributes in terms of uh, where are who's braking the best um, who who has the best acceleration who has the best cornering slow speed high speed it's all going to be dependent on different factors of weight distribution things like this and uh, Michelin I feel are going to offer a, 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 a huge trove of data to Gran Turismo to try and translate um, sort of more realistic conditions. So it's, it's possible that maybe these concerns that we've raised um, might be solved with that. However, if they don't get solved, and perhaps if that takes quite a time to get solved, uh, say before next year, which will still be GT Sport on the PlayStation 4 prior to the PlayStation 5 coming out, uh, the, the balance of performance changes you guys suggest is probably the best fix. So my question to you is this, and I, I think it's probably to Nick because you've been in the in the GT3 and the WC and the Blank Paint series. Um, is track-specific BOP a thing in real life? Yes. Um, actually, for at least for Blanc Pond, I can't speak. Actually, I think IMSA does the same thing. Um, they do. They essentially rate tracks um, on a lettering system, mm-hmm. um, and so you actually have track A, B, C. So they're a type, 
Um, and so you have a tracks like spa, which might be an A, don't quote me, it could be a C, I don't really know what the, what the, what the letters actually are for each track. Um, but you have an A, which is something like spa, very quick, very fast. You're looking at top speed cars, um, you know, something like the Aston Martin or the GTR, for example. And then you go to something that's a B-rated track. Um, something off the top of my head. You might say it's like a, a, a dragon trail within the game, you know, where it's like you've got some high-speed stuff, but you've also got some slow-speed stuff where you need some, some handling. And then you get something that's a C-track, you know, we'll call it Sakuba, something that no car can really ever use its top speed, so it becomes kind of a pure handling track. And so they have these BOSP-specific, um, you know, settings that allow each car to be fairly even within these different track types. You know, you have something like, I remember the Z4, for example, was a great, fantastic, quick car, but at Spa, it was off the pace because it didn't have that top speed. You know, I remember being able to drive around them like they were standing still in the GTR, mm -hmm. you know, but then they'd catch us in the corners because they were so fast. So you can let a car have its strengths and weaknesses, but still allow it to produce the same lap times. Mm -hmm. um, and I think they did a really good job with that. And I think that's something that, you know, would be really beneficial, honestly, for, for Gran Turismo to take an effect, into effect. Um, I mean, they have the FAA as a partner, and I think that's something that they could, could leverage, um, you know, to kind of bring to the game um, and allow, you know, a little more of an even playing field track to track. Okay. Armin, I have a, a question for you with regards to vehicle selection. Mm -hmm. So, uh, with Ford uh, and uh, also Outlaw Quadrant with Peugeot, we're able to qualify for this live event using vehicles that were not used in the live event. Uh, with the Peugeot, he had the VGT, mm -hmm. um, but in the live event, he had to use um, the uh, RCZ. The RCZ, thank mm -hmm. you. Um, a completely different animal. Still mid-engined, rear-wheel drive, but it's entirely different with its handling dynamic, its, its power delivery. Mm -hmm. And with Ford, uh, you have been using the Mustang to great effect, I should note. <laughs> uh, but in the, in the live event, instead, you had the Ford GT, uh, a car that is frankly over uh, 15 years old in this technology with uh, an enormous BOP power reduction. Right. Um, I am curious to find out uh, from you how uh, you felt the car was in its competitiveness, if you think it was fair for that uh, to be an obligation placed upon you, um, or if that should be something else that should be changed. Well, uh, I still I still have to get a, a real clear answer as, as as to why they don't allow us to use our specific cars in, uh, in live events. But uh, as far as the Ford GT, I think there's some tracks that it's actually faster than the Mustang, and there's some tracks that the, fa the Mustang is faster than the Ford GT. Mm -hmm. So there's advantages and disadvantages. Uh, in this scenario, I think we definitely had advantages with the Ford GT. Uh, now, though we had advantages, I was still not as good with the Ford GT as I would have been in the Mustang. So uh, considering the fact that I've spent maybe, you know, three, 400 hours in the Ford Mustang G GR3 car, it's, it's, hard to <clears throat> it's hard to be up to speed as, a, you know, or at least as quick as, as if I would be in a Ford Mustang if I'm driving a Ford GT. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's, it's definitely something you have to take, take into account. You, uh, you also have, we, we also had a, just like the Aston, a new BOP for this, for this specific race. So even, even doing online races with our power to weight ratio and our power to whatever, the bounce of performance setup, 
it's still not going to replicate the exact BOP that we're going to have in the live event. So uh, it was it was definitely a challenge. It's something I have to overcome and, and something I have to train for. But yeah, it, it always it, it, it throws you off. It definitely does throw you off. Mm-hmm. I hear you. I hear you. Hmm. Well, moving on to nations. So Friday concluded with uh, with some good battles and uh, a lot of respect shown on track. Um, the nations championship for Saturday was uh, a big question mark going in because we uh, were all familiar with the results from. New York City. Uh, it was a great event up until the last few laps <laughs> between Igor and I think Cody. It was still, I think it was still a great event. Yeah, still, still a great event you know, <laughs> because, because even bad publicity is still publicity. You right. know, still good publicity, but, uh, but the sour taste would be what they are. If, if they're particularly potent, then uh, it can leave a bad feeling about an event. And fortunately for uh, our event, we didn't have uh, any kind of uh, uh, startling controversy. We had uh, Mick Hazal. Um, finally getting his uh, his nation's championship win um, after having uh, been denied it for uh, so many events. Um, I, uh, I'm particularly curious as to your opinions with regards to uh, car and track combinations. Um, there's been discussion online of, uh, of the people who are watching on um, YouTube and such and Gran Turismo TV that these might have been not the most exciting choices. Um, starting with first the, the Group 1 race, the, the Slot A race, with the uh, Bugatti VGT at Catalunya, um, certainly a fast, fast combination and uh, an exciting, certainly first, uh, first lap, first few corners with Hizal defending his lead around the outside of turn three, like he was Fernando Alonso. That was very impressive. Uh, but as the race wore on, uh, we saw very few uh, battles for position, really only brought upon by uh, penalties. For example, uh, Carazza getting the one-second penalty, the fair penalty that. Uh, brought his competitor back towards him to uh, retake the position, uh, but that was kind of it. Uh, do you think that uh, that combination? How how would you might have suggested that combination could have been different for a little more excitement? Well, I mean to dive into it. Well, I don't want to dive into this right now, but I think it was actually I think it was a great combo um, in terms of the car and track. But I think a lot of us have been suffering with other factors, um, and I think that's what's affecting the race. And when I mean other factors. I'm talking about the slipstream. You know, it's been incredibly hard for many of us to follow closely, um, especially in the high downforce cars. You know, when you're talking the the X2019, the any of the LMP1 uh, cars, you know, GR1, GR2, even GR3. Um, I think a lot of people are struggling to be racy behind someone, um, and it's almost better to sit back a second or two. Um, but you constantly have to kind of dive in and out of the draft. And I think that's what affected um, the racing. Um, and I think had uh, that been a little different, I think the combos would have been would have been fine. Do you guys feel that uh, uh, perhaps something closer to spec racing might have been more appropriate for the nation's championship? No, I think uh, uh, the fact that we're racing <coughs> the fastest cars at the at the pinnacle of Gran Turismo, right? So we're... we're, we're Grant, uh, the, the world tours ha- consist of some of the best players in the world so I think we should be racing the fastest cars in the world right uh, the only thing I, I, I question is again comes down to like what the, what the dirty air should be mm-hmm. right uh, I do want to see people racing uh, the Red Bull cars I want to see people in GR1 GR2 cars but is the is the dirty air really represented accurately in the game and that's something I want to actually ask Nick because he does have the most amount of race experience here uh, do you think uh, dirty air extends back to 1.5 seconds, and does it affect as much uh, the front arrow of the following car as it does in the game? Absolutely not. Um, 
speaking from you know an example um, here um, you can even search this on my YouTube um, somewhere um, I remember being running Blancpain in the GTR um, at Monza um, specifically especially Monza is a good example since it was used in the uh, the race this weekend um, catching an Audi R8 um, and it wasn't until you know and that we're talking we're doing 140 50 miles an hour you know in this car um, where you actually start catching someone where you kind of notice that increase in speed and that draft um, that you're getting you know coming up behind them it you know a second max at that speed um, but you know that gap is variable depending on speed um, which is not something that's happening in the game uh, you know we went from half a second which I think is actually quite realistic honestly um, and then overall if you want to average it out um, you know speed wise on how far that gap extends um, where you can catch that slipstream um, but I think right now it's the air is it's so dirty and almost non-existent um, in these downforce cars that they almost become impossible to drive um, and sometimes it's you know you are catching someone down the straight you know you're doing five six miles an hour faster than you normally are you break 50 meters early and it should be fine you know and something this would be fine in real life you start catching them and the closer you get it's almost as if you keep catching them even faster the closer you get um, but you catch them at such a speed that you can't slow the car or swerve or anything um, and it it's almost like it exponentially gets quicker as you get closer mm -hmm. um, to the car and, that, and that's not something that happens um, in real life it, it's the dirty air almost just completely removes all aero um, from the car so I think if we can somehow lessen the amount of dirty air I think we need to bring um, the slipstream gap down to more about half a second because um, I think that's about the most realistic especially if we're going to keep it um, kind of a static uh, setting instead of a dynamic setting um, since I know that's something that you know is possible but you know incredibly difficult and time consuming probably to build mm -hmm. um, so a quick solution absolutely we should close that gap back to what it used to be maybe lessen the amount of dirty air and maybe we you know we'll get those close races again and, and people will be able to fight and enjoy the combos mm -hmm. Armin? Uh, do you think well this is going back to you said GT3 cars right yeah. so do you think it'll be the same oh, of course it's not going to be the same in street cars right and it's not going to be the same if you're racing the Red Bull cars and GR1 cars Group 1 cars like LMP1 so uh, the dynamic aspect of this is incredibly hard to program I think uh, and I think it should change based on speed right mm -hmm. uh, but also we're not considering the fact that it can affect the front end arrow of the car but also the rear end arrow of yep. the car right so there's so much there's so much programming that is required to go into this mm -hmm. uh, what do you, what do you think the solution of this would be if I if I may offer only um, not so much a real life experience <laughs> but uh, other sim racing prior to Gran Turismo uh, uh, GTR2 iRacing R Factor uh, R Factor particularly um, although an old game did have a, a very good um, aerodynamic uh, model and uh, as you just mentioned how um, when when in real life you're getting close to a car as a competitor that the front car is actually getting rear downforce taken off of it because of the proximity like when you're feet behind uh, that is disrupting the the, mm -hmm. the airflow the vortices off of the diffuser the rear wing and uh, you're pushing pressure back onto the rear of their car applying lift to the rear ends that's something that is missing from Gran Turismo yeah I I kind of absolutely agree and you know kind of for like a real life example again like I remember driving at Spa um, you know and chasing cars down 
and going through Arouge, you know, and Arouge and Radion. I remember that if I was within two or three car lengths behind someone, Arouge became extremely difficult to follow at that speed. And so I realized, you know, if I was somewhere past about three, four cars is where it starts getting questionable, I would actually sit back going down the straight, pull off a little bit and make sure I got a good run up Rouge and make sure, you know, I had that traction, I had that grip because I would then have that arrow. But, you know, we're talking about only pushing yourself back, say, six, seven car lengths, you know, and then catching that draft as you go up Rouge and Radion and chasing them down the straight. Um, you know, whereas now Gran Turismo, we're looking at something that is, you know, if you're 10 car lengths back, 12, you know, even more sometimes, more. You're, you're catching that and the car loses all grip. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, it, that's been incredibly difficult um, to fight, um, especially when we've become so used to the way it was before, which I think was, you know, quite good. It's not great. It's not perfect. Um, but I think it was quite good. But it's so severe now that... Um, yeah, it's, it's incredibly hard to get used to um, because it's not something that is, is real, almost. Mm -hmm. Briefly, this comes to mind, uh, another um, element that is missing from Gran Turismo, and that's crosswinds. We have, we have environment that is now starting to be accurately modeled with the reintroduction of rain, um, and uh, uh, it seems that with at least the next gaming system and Gran Turismo 7, whenever it does come out, um, will most likely have... Uh, transitions between uh, time as well as weather and uh, wind has been modeled in uh, many PC racing simulators more kind of industry standard simulators um, uh, as a uh, an adjustable variable something that uh, will give you a tailwind at times and a headwind at times and a crosswind at times um, and that itself also affects just where is the draft the draft is moving around it's whipping like a big tail so uh, the having that added realism um, you know, when it can be made available by the hardware that the game is played upon will certainly uh, only improve things. So, um, yeah, not sure where to take it at this point, but uh, uh, I can say that, uh, and I hope you guys agree, that we certainly had a, a very nice World Tour event. Um, we had a great party afterward. We had wonderful catering. We had uh, an exceptional DJ. We had certainly an energetic Kaz, who oh, I, <laughs> I saw dancing for the first time, and that guy is quite the machine. Um, he's uh, he 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 buoys the energy of everyone around him, and that is a cool thing to see. He was particularly, I think, happy with this event. Um, and man, you know, Hangar Seven is a special place to be. Um, I think it was very smart that compared to last year the uh, event was held in the evening rather than in the middle of the day so Hangar 7 is a huge glass building if you haven't been there or seen it before um, and it can be quite the sauna if um, it's held in the middle of the day or just chilling out and the sun's just beating down directly upon it <laughs> so um, yeah the the temperature was nice the the company was nice the production was amazing um, I'm wondering if uh, either of you have any uh, just additional thoughts comments you have about the event in general or any of the races I don't know. I think it was a, a really good event. I think it was a little more mellow, um, but I think we all kind of enjoyed it more. Um, it's been great getting to know everyone this year and kind of seeing new faces. And, and it's, you know, it's, we've all kind of become a family, um, which has been really fun. But um, yeah, I think each event is getting better and better. Um, you know, it's still in its infancy. So I think, you know, the more we, we keep playing and, you know, showing kind of like what we like, what we don't like. 
um, and kind of working with you know everyone as part of the event staff I think we'll just continue to to grow this and make it better and um, you know really we'll, we'll see where it goes but yeah I've had a I've had a lot of fun I think the racing's been good I'm excited for Tokyo um, you know I'm excited for for Monaco for you know everyone who's made it there um, yeah I think we're, we're set up for our next uh, our two next two events are going to be fantastic so yeah I, I can't wait to, to see the racing same with me no I agree 100% uh, with what Nick said I think it was tremendously fun to be a part of it also I thought it was a little bit slower paced than other events that we've been to so we had a little bit of more free time to go enjoy the place the, the tourism aspect of it and also uh, uh, it was nice to see uh, 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 and Digital actually give us um a little bit of time to actually speak our thoughts and maybe give us a bit of a forum to actually um, you know exchange ideas on how we can improve the game uh, and I think uh, it's good to hear them listening and paying attention to us and it's also also really nice to see that we're part of this evolving uh, organism that we can call Gran Turismo that's is trying to be perfect right mm -hmm. the pinnacle mm -hmm. of sim racing so uh, it's really nice to be a big part of this and I think it was a, a tremendous event uh, mind you, it's my third event, so if I'm comparing to anything else, I think this is <laughs> totally. Yeah, this is good. I echo your thoughts. I think it's uh, it's so cool how uh, we we buy the product as the consumer, the gamer, to reward the work that they put into it, and now they by opening the, that conversation that you cite as to hey, how can we improve this game? To us, the dedicated gamers is rewarding our investment in time um, because this is not something that's. Uh, uh, is particularly profitable to all of us. We, we have to uh, make sacrifices in our work, in our home life, to, to attend these events as, as wonderful as they are. And they are absolutely wonderful with uh, just the special places we get to go, the people we get to meet, the friends we get to make, and the races we get to experience. Um, nevertheless, um, there's always a better balance out there. And it seems Polyphony are, are really seeking, truly seeking, to uh, find a better balance. So the future is bright, and uh, I think that is a great conclusion that we can end this this upon. Um, and I am certainly, certainly like, really excited for Tokyo. It's only six weeks away, right. and then we have Monaco one month after. So um, uh, you boys better be ready because Porsche are going to bring it. <laughs> <laughs> Aston needs our win, <laughs> so we're going to be there. But I can say I would like to see Armin and Team Ford on the podium. Yep. So I wish you luck, but it's not going to be easy because no, I'm not going to let it be. <laughs> it won't be. Yeah. We just want, want uh, our uh, BOP back. We want our 1% horsepower back. <laughs> yeah, me too. I know. <laughs> we both got bumps. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's good fun. It's tremendous, and we're looking forward to Tokyo. Totally. We know that the, the world tours um, tend to bring uh, uh, new tracks, new conditions. So, um, you know, there's going to be a, a great amount of uh, chance and certainly um, some luck to be had to those who are willing to reach for it. And, uh, you know, uh, on that note, I'd like to wish you both the best of luck in the next World Tour thank event. You. I want to thank everyone for uh, listening. And uh, this has been another uh, episode of Grand Tourist Bros with uh, uh, Armin TRC Stagger, with Nick Gumball CGT, and myself, Tristan Roadbeef. Uh, we'll catch you at the next one, and, and thanks again. Take care. What makes you blind? I hope to find who I believe in. Get back in line, I can't deny myself. Show me the feeling. Oh.
why you got me wrong If you don't belong, live in the trouble Don't hesitate Time heals the pain You ain't the problem I live the lie, love is the crime It's you I believe in No need to play myself, no need to die I'm only human I'm done, you got to put me on I know what you come along Don't hesitate Time heals the pain Don't hesitate 